Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So when I was in my 20s, I had made a New Year's resolution that I was going to work out regularly. And by working out, I mean go to the gym regularly. And I kept that particular resolution all the way up until today. I have not really slacked off from it. Um, Maybe I'll miss if I'm on vacation a week here or two weeks there. Mm, Usually not two weeks. I usually work out while I'm on vacation as well. But basically, the point is that that was a New Year's resolution that I had made in my 20s, and I have stuck to it ever since. And the reason that I have stuck to it is because at the time, I was emotionally ready for it, and I wanted the change in my life, and I wanted to incorporate that into my lifestyle, that I wanted to work out regularly as part of my regular lifestyle. Now, resolutions are a funny thing. As we're coming up on New Year's, there are many therapists who tell people not to make resolutions, particularly if they are really unrealistic and particularly if the person they are talking to is very good at beating themselves up and feeling like a failure when they don't complete ordinary goals in their everyday life. So I think that from a therapist's perspective, that makes a lot of sense given what we see and given how people can be self-critical and sort of brutal on the inside to themselves. Sometimes goals or resolutions can become nightmares for people. Most people have New Year's resolutions around the same topics, weight loss, making more money, focusing more on health or mental health, being better at some hobby, working on relationships. These are sort of the typical resolutions that you might know about or make or hear others make. So the thing about that is that if you're going to make resolutions, they have to be realistic and concrete and measurable. Meaning don't make your goals too big for you to accomplish and as a result, end up failing at. For example, if you've decided that you are going to lose weight, you have to be realistic about weight loss. Do not expect to lose 10 pounds in a week. That is an unrealistic expectation. We saw this with these TV shows. The Biggest Loser was one of them where The Biggest Loser would feature people trying to lose weight in a really unrealistic way over a very short period of time. And basically, I don't remember the details of the show, but the show was 
too long for me to sit through. I preferred to just sort of see the before and after and see what the change was in somebody. But for the most part, I, th I think what was happening is basically people were eating boiled chicken and drinking gallons of water and then working out really hard. And they lost enormous amounts of weight. But since then, very few of them, if any, have actually maintained the weight loss because it was unrealistic for them to have that kind of regiment in their everyday lives when they had families and they had to work and they had other stuff going on. Eating that way and exercising that way were probably super unrealistic, not to mention the fact that they had a coach always on them. Trying to maintain that on their own was nearly impossible. So that's one example of a resolution that you have to be realistic about. Change your diet, get better with your exercise, don't be unrealistic. Now, another one is this idea of making more money. Now, the reason that, that our goals have to be realistic and measurable is because you have to be able to create steps. You can't just wish that you'll win the lottery or somehow get a raise that you weren't expecting. And so you have to be realistic about what is actually possible. Is it possible for you to work more hours and make more money? Is it possible for you to convince your boss to give you a raise? These are things that have to be considered before you create this goal of making more money. Maybe you're in business for yourself and you are planning to expand your business. Whatever it is, there are concrete and measurable steps to get there. To have the resolution of being more healthy is kind of vague. You want to make that a little bit more concrete and measurable. So perhaps you start with a visit to your primary care physician and then you get a blood panel and you see where you're at. And if your levels are fine, then fine. If they're not, then you probably have to make some lifestyle changes. Same thing with mental health. There are a lot of people who say they're going to focus more on their mental health and then don't actually take the steps to doing so. A concrete and measurable step would be taking the step of signing up for therapy, putting time in your schedule, putting the funds together to go and see a therapist or go to a support group. The stuff about getting better at hobbies, maybe you want to be better at some sport that you've taken up or be a better artist or play an instrument better. That's really easy. You know, sign up for class, get a coach, spend a certain amount of time on YouTube getting better, learning from others. Now, something that we have to be aware of as we're making all these goals and resolutions for the future is to make sure that we are recognizing what we can and what we cannot control. 
example, when I was in my 20s and I had made the final decision that I was going to join a gym and go three times a week, which is as you get older, your metabolism slows down. Now I'm at five days a week of exercise with a couple of days on the weekend where I try to walk around as much as possible. So it's like as you get older, things kind of morph into what is necessary. So one of the things that happened to me when I was in my 20s is I went to therapy and talked about fears I had. And one of the fears I had sort of came to me from watching this old movie. And it was old at the time. The movie is The Poseidon Adventure. And it's an all-star cast and the stars got nominated for Academy Awards and the movie got nominated for Academy Awards. And I, so the whole premise behind the Poseidon Adventure, which was actually a book first, is that an ocean liner is crossing the Atlantic and they get hit by a tsunami. And the ocean liner basically, you know, turns on its side and then turns upside down and very few people uh, have survived, but the few people who have survived are trying to find a way out and they're in an air pocket and, you know, there's flooding and explosions and it's a total disaster. And one of the characters in the movie is named Belle. Belle is an older woman who is played by Shelley Winters. And my memory of this film is really funny because I haven't seen this movie in years. And the way I remember it is this. Belle was old and Belle was fat. And because she was old and fat, she got stuck in some part of the ship and was unable to move and thought she was gonna die because she was too big and didn't have the energy to get out. I don't actually know at this point in time if that's an actual scene in the movie, I don't know if that's something that got recreated in my own head or what, but I have gone back to look up the movie. I haven't watched it again, but to look it up and sort of see the premise. And what's interesting is that that Shelley Winters was cast at the time as, quote, the fat lady. That was meant to be part of the movie. And, and my fear that developed after watching this movie is that I was afraid that I was going to become vastly overweight and I wouldn't be able to move and I wouldn't have control over my body and I could potentially have a lot of bad things happen to me because of that. And I remember at the time I went into um, my therapist's office and I said, I 
don't want to be some huge woman who walks around all day wearing a muumuu. And I am terrified of this happening to me. And my therapist looked at me and, and kind of laughed and, and said, now, why do you think this would happen to you? Uh, what makes you think that this is a possibility in your future? And I had to think about it. And I said, well, I don't know. I just don't want that to happen. And she said, good. So don't allow that to happen. And it occurred to me at that moment that I actually do have control over a lot of situations, that things don't just happen to us, that we do have some agency and some ability to control things. So in my case, I was afraid that I didn't have control over a situation that I did actually have control over, thus probably the necessity of this resolution to work out all the time. What I see happening in therapy with my clients is that a lot of times people expect themselves to have control over situations that they don't have control over. So just sort of looking back on some of the typical resolutions that people have is this resolution to make relationships better. Now, as a therapist, I will always ask people the question, what part of that do you have control over and what part of that do you not have control over? So, for example, in order to make relationships better, a person could probably work on their communication skills, be clear about what their intentions are, be clear about how they feel, be clear about what bothers them and what doesn't. And so that's something that a person can have control over. They can begin to communicate better. They can learn the skills to better communication, thus affecting their relationships. They can also practice self-care so that they don't show up and interact with people when they're sort of at the end of their rope or they're having a bad day or they know that they're already agitated and then they go see somebody in their family who agitates them, right? The idea would be, don't do that. Make sure that you are calm before you have difficult conversations with people or before you interact with people who are difficult. And that's another way that you can control how things shake out in your relationships. What you can't control is how other people are communicating, how other people are taking care of themselves. And you can't control how someone else is going to respond to your efforts. You can get better with your behaviors in so many different ways. And if the other person isn't on board, then it doesn't make a difference. 
I have a friend who really needs people to like her. And I know a lot of people like this. I have a lot of clients like this who really need everybody to like them. And they make all kinds of efforts to make sure that they are kind and helpful and useful and nice and attentive and all of these things when it comes to other people. And for the most part, they get a good response. But every once in a while, there will be that person who will not respond positively to their efforts. And what does the people pleaser do? They put forth more effort to getting the other person to change their mind. And the reality is, is if you've put forth your best efforts so far and the person isn't responding to you the way you want, they probably will never respond to you the way that you want. And that's okay. You're not going to win every battle. You're not going to get everybody to love you, or even like you for that matter. You just don't know what's going on for them. Now resolution, the concept of resolution, as we talk about it at this time of the year, we're very specifically talking about things that you resolve to get better in your life, goals, that kind of thing. But when we talk about resolution, in the world of therapy, and we're talking about relationships. Sometimes resolution isn't that everything gets better in a relationship. It just means that you become okay with accepting things are the best that they can be in relationships. And sometimes that's it. That's the only thing that a resolution is is coming to accept things for what they are. And sometimes resolution in that sense is enough. But back to the idea of these typical resolutions that need to be concrete and measurable and realistic. I think that when we're talking about resolutions from the goal perspective, we have to talk about people being able to choose the steps appropriately that come from the bigger goal. And this is sort of a problem when we're talking about, at least in America, when kids go off to college, and they are kids when they go off to college. Kids go off to college, and before they go to college, they are supposed to pick a major and apply to getting into that major in college. What's interesting about that is that usually kids who are in their senior year of high school and are entering college have very little in the way of life experience in order to even come up with a goal of a major. And this is really the problem. How do you decide what you want to be in the future when you haven't figured out anything, when you don't know anything about life now? 
how do you figure out who you're supposed to be in the future when your only experience up to now is growing up and going to school? It's a tough one. But I think that kids generally make these decisions based on something emotionally. These decisions are made on a feeling that they have about a major, a feeling they have about their goal in life. And I think that that's what's really cool about goals and resolutions is that it always starts off with emotions. It starts off with how you want to feel in the end. How you want to feel when you can finally put those pants back on or when you're really good at tennis or when you make more money and you can invest it. Whatever it is, you're looking to achieve a feeling in the end, an emotion in the end. And so this is why I love the concepts of vision boards. And the idea of a vision board, I first learned about in watching the movie, The Secret. Not to be confused with the movie that has Katie Holmes in it that I think is more of a, is more of a drama. I'm not sure, I've never watched it. I'm talking about the secret, the documentary, where a number of different people from a number of different fields come together and talk about the idea of inviting things into your life through intention. And a vision board is a collection of pictures, maybe of words on a poster board that shows you what you want your future to look like. And maybe you would have pictures of a big house or a nice car or a dog or family or a romantic partner or something like that and stick that up on a board and look at it every day and say, those are the things I want in life because I expect that I will feel happy when I have those things. All goals and resolutions start with the idea of how you want to feel. What happens after that is that when you figure out what one of those goals is, what that feeling is gonna be like, then you can start to create the steps behind it. The idea is that the emotion is right on. Wanting to feel a certain way is the part that you're sure about. And that's a great place to start. And you can create steps to getting there. But like with college kids, sometimes you take a few classes and you go, you know what, this thing that I wanted to do isn't really bringing me closer to that feeling of happiness or satisfaction. It's actually kind of making me miserable, right? And this is where everybody changes their major. And just about everybody I know did change their major in college, myself included. So I think it's a great goal. And sometimes you get there without fully achieving 
what's on your vision board. You actually get to happiness and satisfaction on your way there. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. That's a win. And so my hope for you in 2023 is that you find some goals, some resolutions that feel really good, that feel like a step closer to happiness and satisfaction and contentment in your life. Be well. Thank you for listening. Happy New Year.